0: This is a presentation of Redemption Bible Church. For more information, please visit our website at redemptionbc.org. Psalms 4 and 5, we uh, wrap up our series today of spiritual rhythms of the Psalms. These rhythms or practices are a way, not the way, that we can grow in our awareness of God and our affection for God. And uh, today we'll uh, be talking about the practice of the daily office, right? The daily office, as Alvin said, watching the office daily, right? That's not, that's not what we're doing. The daily office, the word office comes from the Latin word opus, the daily work. And in the early church, the daily office or the daily work of God was to be with God. It was prayer, where prayer came first. The daily office is a structured time of prayer to God throughout the day so that the day would be structured around God in prayer. Where prayer throughout the day is not just talking to God, but it's being with God and knowing that God is with you. I don't have uh, one of those uh, smart watches, but I know these things will tell you certain health notifications, right? Like, beep, beep, time to drink water. Beep, beep, time to stand beep, beep, slow down, your heart rate is too high, beep, beep, time to go to the bathroom. I don't know if it says that one, but I don't know, AI technology is so crazy, maybe we'll get there, we'll see. But what would it look like if we had something like that from God? What would it look like if we had something that indicated in terms of our walk with Jesus, what would the notifications be? I think the notification from God would be, beep beep, be with me. Be with me. That's kind of what the daily office is prioritizing your day, to be with God in prayer. And the origin of the daily office had a formal structure of eight designated prayer times, including one in the middle of the night. And so we'll be texting you at 3 a.m., Oh, so funny. No, we're not going to do that. But throughout history, there have been modifications of the daily office, various versions of it. And these rhythms, again, are meant to be adaptable, adaptable to us, not the way but a way to grow. So for this week, we're adapting this for us um, by having two offices, one in the morning and one in the evening, right? Psalms 4 in the evening and Psalms 5 in the morning. And I'm asking everyone to sit Read and pray one time in the morning and one time in the evening just to be with God. Sit in silence for a minute before God. Read Psalms 5 in the morning and Psalms 4 in the evening and pray. Ask God to lead you this morning. And In the evening, I want you to thank God for his peace that allows you to go to sleep. And again, the heart behind is is that we can prioritize our our, our day around being with God. So let's look at the evening prayer in Psalm 4. Let's go to the evening prayer in Psalm 4, verses 1 to 2, says this. Answer me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O man, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek? After lies. And the author of these two psalms are David. And as you may have picked up by these two verses already, this is occurring during a very low and desperate time in David's life. A time of distress based on circumstances that he finds himself. Distress, the distress itself is, is unspecified. Or it can be a physical, it can be an emotional distress, but it's urgent. Answer me. Give me, be gracious to me, hear me. In the midst of his circumstances that he describes in verse 2, his enemy scoffing at his kingship and pursuing a, a worthless, deceptive cause while dishonoring David. David reflects on his past experience of God and his standing before God as he requests of his future. God, you are my righteousness. You are what makes me right. God, you are the one that has given me relief. And in that posture, I ask you, once again, be gracious to me in my distress and hear my prayer. And so David is confident that God will give him relief, not because he's been in this mess before, because God has righteously acted on his behalf before in grace and mercy. And we can go to God in need of relief, knowing that God can and God will give it. Are you confident that God is able to give you relief? Are you confident that God cares for you and he's listening? Because know this, God gives his attention. God gives us his attention. Read, let's let's look at verses 3 to 5. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts, on your own beds, and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. And David now is addressing his enemies. David is saying to those who were against him, Hey, know this, that the Lord is for me. He has set me apart for himself. The Lord hears when I call. David's not just playing defense in this battle. He's playing offense in prayer. Prayer isn't a passive sideline discipline, but it's an active frontline discipline. Prayer is what empowers us by God, allows us to know God, allows us to be with God. It is the daily work of God. I know the church, the, the Lord has set you apart. The one that is righteous has allowed you to be right with God through Christ. And because of, of his faithfulness to you in his covenant, you are already considered faithful to him in Christ, godly to him. And so he will hear you whenever you call him because he gives his attention to you personally and Intimately. Think about this right now. At this moment, we have the attention of God. God is paying attention to us right now. And not in a way, not in a, hey, mom, 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 Mom. dad, mom, dad, look. No, not like that. But before we say the word father, he's already listening. He's already listening before you even say, Father. The daily office helps us to pay attention to God throughout the day. Do we get the privilege and power in having the attention of God whenever we call to him? David faces his enemies in his distress knowing who the Lord is and who he is in the Lord. God gives his attention to us. The only question now is, are we giving our attention to him? David tells his opposition in verse four, tremble with fear and stop sinning. His enemies were filled with strong emotions of hatred. And he says, fear God. Search your hearts and be silent. That's the advice that David gives. Not only stop sinning, but trust in the Lord. Trust and offer right sacrifices or services to God. But giving a sacrifice to God can be easy. But offering a right sacrifice actually requires a sacrifice of yourself. It requires submission to God. As one commentary states, that the sacrifice are only righteous when they are acts of devotion flowing out of a right relationship with God. Do we see our service or sacrifice to God as a job or as a joy? Offer right sacrifices out of devotion, out of joy. Being right with God in relationship means we get to experience the joy that he gives. Right, God gives joy. God gives joy. Let's look at verse 6 and 7. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. And when God seems missing, I think it's normal to think, now when is the good arriving? And in this context, this is God's people who are asking this question, who will show us some good? The good isn't isn't delivered in circumstantial packages. It's not delivered in materialistic packages. No, but it's delivered through a heart transformation. Right, David advises his opposition to search their own hearts in silence, and now is speaking of his own heart has been changed by God. He answers the question that many are asking, "When is the good coming?" And David says, "The good is already here. The good is the Lord. The Lord is good. He has put his joy in my heart that surpasses materialism, circumstances, anxiety. A day of God-given joy is greater than an entire lifetime of happiness offered by this world. It's God that makes the difference. Not just what's happening around us, but what's happening within us. Joy is found in here from him. He has put it there. And joy comes from enjoyment, right? It's not just zapped into our hearts. Nobody gets surgeries to have more joy. There needs to be a delight in something or someone. And so when God gives us joy, what He's really giving us is enjoyment in relationship with God the Father. Where my son. Turned two yesterday and I'm enjoying every second of my relationship with him. I don't ask Kaden to do anything for me. He's only two. But when he's three, mm -mm. (laughs) mm-mm, very high expectations. But I don't need him to do anything for me. But my joy is full because of the relationship that I have as being his father and him being my son. The enjoyment comes from the relationship. Joy is given by the Father through Jesus and to liven us in the spirit right now. Because of his joy, now we get to experience his peace that God alone gives. Where God gives us peace. God gives us peace. Verse 8, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. David was facing a physical danger along with emotional toil, but finds his confidence of safety in the Lord alone. It is the peace of God that leads to this peaceful sleep. Though we might not be in physical danger when we lie down, to sleep, man, our, our minds and our hearts are so heavy and pressed with anxiety and tiredness of the day, isn't it? Man, this prayer reminds us that we don't need to lie down with that heaviness. We can release that to him. We are safe in the presence of peace, we are in, which means we're, in the, we're safe in the presence of the Lord. Safety is found in his peace through joy that he has given us. God gives us peace. So this is what I want us to know and remember as we read this evening prayer before you sleep. Be reminded of the joy that we get to experience already in relationship with God that gives us peace and allows us to lie down knowing that everything is okay some comforting words that I free, hear from Jesus all the time. It's okay. It's okay, Robin. It's okay. That's our hope. As we lie down and call it a day, not in defeat, but in peace and joy, knowing that it'll be okay. Sermon one finished. Let's look at sermon two. Let's look at the morning prayer in Psalms five, right? Make sure you don't read this all the way around because then you'll be sleeping in the morning and it's very confusing. Because we can be in a peaceful state in our hearts knowing God is near when we sleep and then forget all of that instantly when we wake up and our anxiety is skyrocketing and our focus of God is buried in our day's agenda, Right? And so I want us to read this in the morning as a way to be with God in the moment, knowing that God is still listening and that he's leading and he's protecting us throughout the day. Again, we see God hears. We see again God hears. Let's look at verses 1 through 3 in chapter 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. David says, consider my groaning. He's opening himself to God. That the Lord hears our outer thought, thoughts in the form of words and our innermost thoughts that have no sound, but he also knows and hears the in-between, the in-between of actual words and silence, the sighs of defeat, the groaning of, of frustration, the cries of hurt and pain. He's still listening to that. He still gets that. No explanation needed. Because in the morning, he hears our voices. Even when our voice doesn't have words, God hears. And David calls out to God, not just as his king, but his God. My king, my God an echo of a prayer that is to come by God's own son, Abba, Father. And we get to address God the same way Jesus addresses God, as Father. Say this is why God hears us, because through faith in Christ, we are children of God. And so in the morning this week, know that God hears you, he sees you, because he has redeemed you as his That's why we can say, our Father. That's why we can say, my God, my King. And out of that posture, in humble confidence, plead your case to God and watch him work. That's what verse three is telling us. Watch expectantly, knowing confidently that he has heard you. But also know that him hearing you doesn't mean that he's going to do what you want. God, I'm asking for this, but you're not doing this, or you're not doing this. Are you hearing? Are you listening to me? Yeah. He hears you. You have his attention. But also know this, God leads. Okay? God Leads. Verse 4 says this, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. God doesn't delight in wickedness, which means he delights in goodness. He delights in what is right, thus he is righteous. And David in these next few verses is saying, For those who are against him and God cannot succeed because of God's commitment to being right. God is right because God is just, and God is committed to justice because God is righteous. Evil doesn't dwell with God. The boastful cannot stand with God. Those who are violent and treacherous people who deceive and reject God will be judged by God because God is just. That's what David is expressing in these verses. God declares them as guilty, and they deserve deserve the wrath of God. And that seems a little bit harsh. But the reality is the injustice is harsh. Not God acting in his justice. That's right. David recognizes that the word that the world is unjust. And the world is unjust because people are unjust. We do not naturally pursue true justice defined. By God because if we naturally pursue true justice then all of us will be pursuing what is right meaning we'll be pursuing God because he is committed to being right but we don't do that naturally we are all inherently unjust we do not possess any righteousness on our own due to our sin and rebellion against the one who is just and so what do we do What did David do? Just like he recognized the injustice of his enemies, he recognized his own heart, his own desires, his own motives. David knows God hears, but doesn't ask for his own way, but God's way. This is what he asked. Look at verse 8. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me in order to follow God, you got to be willing to be led by God. David says, in your righteousness and your way, echoing the words of Jesus that is to come, your will be done. Lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us. And so for us today, that means when we genuinely pray these words in the morning this week, We're letting go of 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 our expectations of the day. What we believe must happen and saying, God, I want you to lead today. I want to be led by you today. I want you to help me to walk in your way and your desire for me. Not in just what I do, but in who I am. And one of the best ways you can start the morning this week is asking in desperation of God to lead your life that morning. Not only do we ask God to lead, pray and know that God is also protecting us. God is the one that leads us, and God is the one that protects us. But David is asking God to cast on all those who have made their decision to rebel against God. They do not do good and they cannot do good. There is no truth in them and they will be found guilty by God apart from him. But God protects. God, by his steadfast love, allows us to take refuge in him. And he doesn't just provide a safe location for you, right? That's going back to circumstantial change. But it's through a heart change, right? He is the safe place. That's what the practice of the daily office is about, not just praying to him, but being with him in prayer, taking refuge in him and rejoicing in him. The Lord protects us with his favor like a shield. He's with you and for you, and so we could sing for joy forever, and we can boast about him forever. That's what we get to do this morning as we prepare for eternity. And as we wrap up our series of spiritual rhythms, remember these morning and evening prayers. The aim is for us to grow in our awareness of God, that we have the attention of God. It's also to grow our affection for God. Back in my uh, Northwestern medicine days, one of my non Christian friends, every Friday afternoon, had uh, allocated time of prayer. He wasn't available for um, meetings, he wasn't available online, he wasn't available for lunch. It was pretty inconvenient for him. Well, inconvenient for us, not for him. One Friday, he came in um, on crutches. He had an ankle injury, and uh, he couldn't walk. And uh, I had an office, and he didn't. And he said, Robin, can I use your office? And uh, I'm a nice guy, and said, uh, no, no way. You get your own office. No, I didn't say that. I said, why? He said, I have to pray. I have to pray. See, for him, the belief was that if he failed to perform prayer during prescribed times, it's considered disbelief and there are consequences. But the daily office is not this. It's not a task to, to perform. God's not upset at you if you fail at this but inviting, he's inviting you to be with him. Because as soon as you make it about tasks, now you step into religion and legalism. Religion leads to, you must, you must do this. But affection leads you to, and I want to do this. The practice of prayer helps grow our awareness and affection for God, especially as we focus on what he has done for us, for us. But the scenario for my friend made me think about this. What would it look like if our affection for God meant everything else in our lives was inconvenienced? What would it look like if our affection for God meant everything else in our lives was inconvenienced? What if our affection for God meant our phones and Netflix were inconvenienced versus it being an inconvenience to our devotion to God? What would it look like in our workplace? What would it look like in our home? What would it look like in our church? And I ask this question for us not to feel shame and guilt. Believe me, I did when I asked myself this question that I made up. But it's to be aware. It's to be aware of our affection. And so how do we grow in our affection? We grow in our affection for God by looking at God's affection for us. We grow by looking at him. We grow by looking at his joy, his peace, his protection, his attention to us. And it's about him, not us. And we see God's affection, his love for us through his son, Jesus. There's no greater love than this. The God of the universe sent his son, Jesus, fully man, fully God, who lived a perfect life, meaning he's the only truly person that was just. He pursued and obeyed God perfectly because there was no sin in him. And God sent his son not to just model life but to give us life. And so Jesus willingly walked to his own death to a cross where the worst moment of the history of the world occurred when he prayed this prayer. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the first time ever in that moment, the father abandoned his son by turning his face away and allowing Jesus to suffer his wrath. The father gave up his son for us to take on all the sins of his people. That's his affection for us. And Jesus, for the, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross and died on the cross. That's his affection for us. And, but on the third day, man, he rose again from the grave because he has defeated death and allows us to enter into a relationship with him through faith. Amen. Jesus paid the penalty for us. He paid it all. And all we need to do is respond in faith by believing in who he is and what he has done. And now Jesus is sitting with his father awaiting for his second coming and he promises us this. He prayed a prayer that we never have to pray. He prayed that prayer for us. And now he says, And I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. When we understand God's love for us, man, we simply would just want to be with him. Out of his love for us. And God loves us what a simple and powerful message from God. So I want us to sit in that truth and practice our time just being with him in prayer. And we're going to go through our, our morning prayer and just practice this, of just being with God. And so I want to ask us to sit in silence before God for, for a little bit. And then I'm going to read Psalms chapter 5. And then I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God that he would lead us this morning. That he would lead us this morning. And to help enter into this time, let's position our bodies. Let's sit upright, feet on the floor. Relax our body. And let's prepare our hearts. take a deep breath in, filling in your lungs and let it out. And pray this prayer in your hearts. Here I am, Lord. I'm here to be with you. Here I am, Lord. I'm here to be with you. And so now let's just sit with God in silence for about 30 seconds, and then I'll start reading Psalms 5, and we'll enter into a time of prayer. Just sit with God. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, th- through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me. Lead us, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels because of the abundance of their transgressions. Cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. But all who take refuge in you, rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them. For those who love your name may exalt in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor and with a shield. Let's pray, church. Let's pray that God would lead us this morning. That God would lead us in his way. Letting go of our righteousness. Letting go of our expectations. Accepting of who he is. Let's take some time and just pray to God. Ask Him to lead your life. And if you have to, if there's any sins to confess, man, do it right now so that you can get that out of the way, repent, and go back to Him so that He can lead. Thanks for listening. For more audio content and information about redemption, please visit our website at redemptionbc.org.